Hi, this is Regeline Sabah, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. Today, we are going to discuss hope. Subscribe to the new series of Walk With Me Podcast of 2021. It is available on all major podcast platforms, JRQ TV and YouTube. My guest today is Michelle Gilfin. Michelle Gilfin is a holistic, results-oriented life coach and speaker. Michelle is also an expert in NLP guided imagery and positive psychology and is based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here on your show. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? Okay. So I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, in the East Bay Area. It's called Livermore. Um, it's funny. I, when I moved here, I said, oh, it's because you live there more. I don't know. It's, you know, I love the, the nature and uh, Hello, uh, <laughs> all the nature around. Uh, I've been... I moved to the States about six years ago with my family, and we actually moved from Israel. So, um, and all the experiences here are for me um, new, and I embrace them for having them. That is absolutely amazing. Now, tell us more about what led you to become a life coach. What led me to become a life coach? I think it was not very clear to me at the beginning. I sort of found myself in this arena, which is weird. I mean, you wouldn't expect someone to find themselves. Um, but it was more of a calling for me. Um, it was the first time, probably not the first, but I sort of had a knowing that that's what I want to study and advance in. I used to work in the high-tech industry for about 14 years. Um, I was a marketing manager in various marketing roles in high tech. Um, and then after 14 years, when I had my third child, I decided it's about time to experience motherhood um, and be more present than I was with my two other ones that I returned back to work fairly quickly. And I remember um, being at home, just breastfeeding and being around the baby, not even opening the internet. And I, I knew I didn't want to come back to high tech. Um, it was just too much of, you know, with three kids, it was too much for me to, I said, I want to be more present with my motherhood. But then I said, after half a year being at home, I said, okay, so what's the next thing that I'll do? I mean, where, how do I move on? And I had a friend who just started her spiritual journey. And she said, send the question to the universe and the answer will come. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, it was so, I was not conscious of the spirituality at that time. So I remember walking with a stroller in the streets and waiting for an answer to like fall on me from above and saying, okay, so what will be the next thing that I'll do? And I'm like, I can't hear anything. What is this? But after a month of like sending this question to the universe, in a moment of breastfeeding and feeling connected and feeling gratitude for the precious moment that I'm having with my baby, I just had an internal knowing. And it says NLP and guided imagery. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. But I had a sense of like urgency. That is it. That is it. I mean, a year and a half earlier, I was in a marketing event where there was a presentation about NLP and business. 
And it, at the t you know, a year and a half later, I couldn't remember anything of that. The only thing I remembered was that the L stands for linguistics, and I have a BA in linguistics, and that it was interesting. That's it. But I had this compelling urge to just go and do it. So I, um, after half a year being at home, I Google it, and I find a school that teaches it that normally starts teaching like early October. And it was already May in the middle of the year. And they said it's the first time after 18 years that we're offering it in a different format. And uh, an introductory evening is coming up in two days. And I'm like, hey, that's for me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm calling them. They tell me it's a full day from morning to evening studies for like a, a long period of time. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm fully breastfeeding. How am I, I don't have a daycare for my child. How am I going to do this? <laughs> While I'm driving in my car, I'm calling my mom. Okay, you're going to take care of my baby for the first half of the day. Calling my mother-in-law. You're going to take over the other half. I'm going to reduce one breastfeeding and boom. <laughs> so I'm already fixing things without knowing where I'm going. And I'm sitting there in the introductory evening. They tell us how much it's going to cost. And I'm like, I didn't even expect that. But at the end of the evening, I text my husband, which is something I normally don't do. I found myself a little in sometimes hard in um, decision making. But in that moment, I didn't have any doubts. It was, I'm going to do this. And I'm just texting him. This is how much it costs. How do you want to pay for it? And he didn't even know where I'm going that evening. <laughs> so I started, you know, my journey with NLP and guided imagery. And at the beginning, I thought, you know, I don't have any issues. I don't have any problems. I'm just being, you know, sometimes late. That's it. Everything, you know, I'm I'm just a normal person. And and in that journey, you find out all sorts of things that need healing and all, all sorts of things that you weren't aware of that were in your subconscious mind and that that's a great way to set up a goal. And once you uh, eliminate those subconscious inhibitors, you can reach what you want with ease. So I was really drawn to understand how it works and, and, and see the effects of it and see how it impacts myself and my colleagues and then my clients that I started having. And I find it, um, intriguing and so interesting and amazing you know this exploration to find out that we are stronger than we think we are that we have all the resources within us to reach whatever we set our mind to but we need to be you know setting our intent and wanting to make a change in whatever life area that may be wanting to make that change that would be a really big step to make Amen. Now that brings us to our hope discussion. What does hope mean to you, Michelle? So I think for me, hope began, um, I mean, in general, I think I'm an optimistic person and I'm hopeful. Like if, for example, there is an exam to do, uh, for, I mostly uh, try to call myself and say, you know, I trust my body that things are okay. You know, I'm just testing. Um, and I'm not going to freak out before the results come in. And I'm hopeful that things are going to turn out just, just fine. 
So that's in the terms of the my my body a connection. I think I was more aware of the notion of hope in the essence of hope with um, relationships with nations or with people. Uh, because growing up in Israel, um, you know, the Middle East area is very complex. It's very complex. And there's no right and wrong. And there's no one person, one side that is right or wrong. There are, it's very complex. But I remember when um, the peace, pro the, there was a, um, a peace uh, process between Jordan and Israel. I was very, very hopeful that finally, you know, we can just, you know, put the arms down and just live peacefully with one another. That really gave me a sense of hope. And unfortunately, the prime minister at the time who signed up this peace process, this peace contract, um, Prime Minister uh, Isaac Rabin was assassinated after he was giving a peace rally. He was assassinated by an Israeli Jewish person. That was devastating to me. I cried for three days. I cried for three days because I felt like hope was taking it away. Hope was taking it away for living peacefully. And um, it was only when I came here to the States where I started to explore and be open to meeting people who I never would have met had I stayed where I lived with the diversity of the San Francisco Bay Area, um, meeting people from Iran or meeting people from, uh, from other countries that had I lived in Israel, I wouldn't have met them in person. And I was so uh, touched that, you know, maybe we cannot control peace among nations, but on the individual level, when we open our heart, eventually we're all human beings. And we need to see the beauty in each and every one of us and connect on the personal level. And that for me created a tremendous, even healing process that I met uh, a Palestinian uh, girl here and we consider each other as sisters and you know feeling that that connection that love that strive for for hope for peace for just being you know people and maybe you know people that didn't live with such intensity of complex may not understand but to me that was a, a very big thing knowing that at least you know with my powers, I can be uh, more accepting and, and experience that that peace. Amen. Very inspiring. Now, talk to us about identity. What does that mean to you? So identity is also something that I only started exploring when I moved here. Um, because when you, you live in the same environment and you don't question a lot of things, it's only when you sometimes physically, geographically change you get to observe things from a distance. So when I came here, well, obviously, I think each one of us carries multiple identities. Because um, for me, if you ask me who I am, there are multiple ways I can answer that. 
I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I'm a life coach. I am, I'm kind. Um, there are all sorts of things that identify us or that people see us, or you know what? I'm an immigrant. Um, I'm a minority. Um, but it gives me a very humble experience to cherish and to honor and to respect and appreciate how well I was accepted here. I didn't ex expect that. And, and to me, that is really a humbling experience. And sometimes, you know, we're not aware of our, all of our identities or let's, let's take it to, you know, in our, in our life, if someone is a smoker, he identifies or she identifies themselves as a smoker or being fat. And as long as they identify them as such, it will be hard for them to make a change because in their mind, they have this identity or a person that suffers from multiple allergies, for example. And for them to get rid of those allergies, and it's possible, by the way, with NLP to overcome allergies, um, what would it mean for their identity if they give that away? So there is a subconscious process sometimes that you need to delve into, into finding out who am I? Who am I or what do I inspire, aspire to be? Who am I? And we can, and for example, for me, and I think, for example, with gender, I think everyone has a gender story or race or nationality or religion, right? We identify as, for you, that would be Christian. For me, that would be a Jewish person, although I don't practice religion in my day-to-day -day life but what does it mean about us what does it mean about how open are we to accepting others that are different than us that grew up with other you know in another culture or their color of the skin is different is it do we use the identities to differentiate between us or to find the commonalities or to find our uniqueness in our story. So I think that, you know, when, when someone also comes to me, it depends on the topic that they want to work on. But sometimes we need to delve into an identity issue to see how they perceive themselves to be or how do they aspire to be. And from that, to make another stride for the outcome they want to reach. Very powerful. Now let's talk about diversity. What does diversity mean to you? So again, diversity is something that I, I came up here from in the San Francisco Bay Area. Because where I lived in Israel, it was a very homogeneous environment. Everyone is white. Everyone is Jewish. Everyone is Israeli. Um, you don't see much diversity. For me, uh, coming to the States, and, and especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, where you see a lot of a lot of faces, a lot of cultures, Asians, um, South African, not South African, African-Americans. Uh, I, I didn't see any South Africans here, by the way. <laughs> um, 
but seeing you know multiple languages uh, you know, in schools, elementary schools, there is the, the multicultural event festival. And it's so beautiful to see everyone from different countries, different, um, different cultures, different nationalities, different foods, different colors. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And, you know, and it goes back to acceptance, to acceptance and allowing ourselves to, to be open-minded and explore. You know, even for me coming here and seeing in Christmas all the lights in the houses, that, that's a beautiful scenery to see because I didn't see any of that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm testing myself. Where am I with that comparison? Uh, I love being part of it. I love to see it. Um, I don't put Christmas trees in my house, though. And sometimes that creates a sense of, um, you know, the belonging issue. Where do I belong? That's also connected to identity. Where do, who do I, where do I belong? So sometimes it's a sense of belonging and sometimes it's a sense of like feeling not belonging enough. That's a conflict of identities. The identity that wants to be open and explore and the, and the other identity, like who am I at my core? Where are my roots? So that can create a conflict or a conflict of, you know, being a mother on the one hand and and being uh, a career woman on the other hand. Do they really conflict? Can they live together at what level? So um, diversity, yeah, and being open to to gender identities and being open to sexual orientations and knowing that everyone has the right to live their authentic self and, and the right to, to be respected and the right for medical care and the right for work and the right for not being discriminated against. That's so, right. Respect truly matters. Now let's talk about compassion. What does compassion mean to you? Yes. Compassion. So with compassion, I think sometimes it's a daily reminder. I need to do a daily reminder of self-compassion sometimes. Um, you know, all the things that we I planned in like for 2020 and some of them didn't end up happening. I mean, others did, but not in full power as I wanted them to go. So, you know, uncertainty brings out a lot of fear um, for many, a lot of people. And um, Hello, Lori, Lori has joined us. Thank you for listening in. <laughs> Hi, Lori. Um, so yes, with uncertainty comes fear. With uncertainty comes, you know, the stress levels go up. The flight, uh, f the flight, f flight, fight, or fear mode get in. The cortisol levels go up and our um, immune system goes down in, in functioning. And I think that uh, one of the things that, I, as I said, I need to, to remind myself sometimes is instead of having that judgmental voice inside of me that I may not be good enough or not doing enough, to remind myself to be compassion, compassionate about myself, things that I do do in, in my life and concentrate on those. Um, to some people, it can even be to, to get out of bed, 
And instead of having the guilt after that, just be compassionate to themselves and saying, today I respect my body. I listen to my body. I let myself rest. Tomorrow is another day. And, you know, not, not self-beat um, themselves for, for what it is. And so compassion, I think, begins with self-compassion. And then, obviously, when you demonstrate or practice self-compassion, you can also be compassionate to other people around you that are different than you, that have a different experience than you, because everyone has their own subjective experience based on, on their life, on their personal, unique life. And so when I meet, when I, when I have my clients, I come up with that, you know, compassionate approach and non-judgmental, and I listen to them, and I try to hear them, um, allow them to be self-compassionate with themselves, and from there, um, to start striding towards what they do want in life, and focus on that, put the attention on what they want to achieve, and not what they are feeling not good at in that moment. That's right. Now, Lori says self-compassion extend to others too. Yes, that's right. That's right. Now let's talk about self-healing. What does self-healing mean to you? So self-healing to me, uh, this is also something that I found uh, in my journey with NLP and NLP and guided imagery mainly. But actually it did start in a kind of spontaneous manner. Um, before I even started, before I studied it, it was over 12 years ago. And I, I suffered from um, plantar viral warts on my big toe. And I went to uh, my dermatologist, my skin doctor at the time. And um, do you know what they do with plantar warts? How they treat it in the conventional medicine? Talk to us. So uh, they um, freeze it with liquid nitrogen. And so I went to my doctor and she would freeze it every six weeks for two years because it didn't work. It didn't work and it only got worse. So from two little words, I got 15 words on my big toe. And I was devastated. I was like, oh. Obviously, I mean, I had my life going on. I didn't put that attention on that, but I felt helpless and hopeless. Like, what can I do? You know, I go to the doctor. This is what she tells me to do. I don't know what else should I be doing. And then after two years that I'm suffering from it, my six years old, um, I see two little words on her big toe. And we share the same bath. We share the same bath at the time. And they say it's, it's viral and you can get it. And obviously, if, if your immune system is strong enough, you know, your body al always fight viruses, bacteria, whatever. But if your immune system is down because you're stressful or any change happened to you, um, you are more prone to, to getting it. So I thought, you know, she's six years old and I know she, she was traumatized by a doctor uh, by some experience in the past. And I knew that's a painful experience and not only that, it didn't work. And I didn't know what to do, but I did take her to the same doctor. And she said, well, you know what? There is a, another skin doctor in another city that treats uh, words with hypnosis. 
And they say it works really well, especially with kids. And I, I, so I said, okay, what do I have to lose, right? I mean, I'll do whatever it takes. And I took my daughter. Eventually, she did. She created some story that, for me now, it's like guided imagery story. And she said, okay, so you have a magic wand, and uh, and just continue with that at home. My daughter, by the way, didn't want to. I mean, she cooperated during the call, during the meeting, but as we walked out of her office, my daughter says she's kidding us, right? What is this? She didn't take it seriously at all. She was very opinionated at six years old already. And then she's 18 years old by now, by the way. And so I, but I really wanted it to work. It was my desired outcome. By the way, my business name is called My Desired Outcome. And so if you want to make a change, you want it to be your desired outcome. But in that case, you know, sometimes we have the mothers have a lot of um, influence and effect on the healing of their babies or their small kids. It's very much connected and they can really affect their healing process. So I said, okay, let's do this story, you know, and she didn't want to cooperate. So two days later, I started to create a different kind of scenery, a different story. And we, I would tell that story to her during bedtime. And every time we would check on the word, see what happens. And after we did it like every other day. And after two weeks, her words were gone. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, words come and go. It, it could be very, you know, without any intervention. But the amazing part here was that all my words were gone too. Like I didn't have any anymore. So that was a shocking experience, a really eye, mind-blowing experience to me. I said, what just happened? I just made up a story. How come? And only later I started to understand um, how we can really activate with our mind, self-healing on our bodies, how we can do that. Um, and since then, uh, I've helped myself, my children, my clients in many cases of self-healing. Uh, and it's amazing. I had a client who was 62 years old. She had, she suffered from Crohn's disease. And she said, she didn't, she didn't expect the, the, the disease to go away, but she said, I know that stress, um, makes the, the, the disease worse and makes the internal bleeding work. So we defined her desired outcome to be to just lead peaceful and relaxed life, lifestyle. And on her seventh meeting with me, she said she went to her qu quarterly blood work and her all her values got into the range. And after seven years, it was the first time that her hemoglobin got into the norm. And her doctor told her, if you continue that way, you would need to take this small pill against um, the Crohn disease, which also the, the side effect of, of this is that it deteriorates her immune system. So that was amazing on that part. I also suffered from like chronic pain on my feet, which was gone with guided imagery. I helped the client get pregnant. She did all the medical interventions, but she asked me to do a specific guided meditation for her and she got pregnant. Um, I had a client who suffered. She said in my, in our first meeting, she said, I'm suffering an excruciating pain in my jaw for six years. I can, she, she cried 
in our first session. On the third session, she said, I barely have any pain anymore. So that's amazing. You know, our mind and body are so connected. And what I do with people, I, I, I give a holistic approach. It's holistic in one way because we are comprised of the many, many parts that we have, as well as results-oriented approach because we want it we want to get to the place that we want but in a holistic manner because you know as i said with identities before we have so many things that are interrelated with our life uh, our vocation our lifestyle our um even how we you know if we sleep sleep enough drink enough exercise enough uh, our relationship at home everything is interrelated if you touch something you need to make sure it's ecological and by that i mean that it's good for you it's good for your immediate environment it's good for the environment in general your community and the world because if you want to try to do something that conflicts with something else that is important to you that is of a value to you a change wouldn't happen unless you address that concern or that issue and sometimes again it's subconscious you're not even aware that that's what holds you back that's right very powerful now Lori says moms have so much to do with healing their kids starting with healing themselves great conversation and thank you for listening in again Lori. we appreciate you thank you Lori. yes now michelle what is your why that keeps you going so i think the why that keeps me going again ties back into hope because a lot of, you know, there are business coaches that takes you higher to the next success level. But in a way, people come to me because they're feeling helpless and hopeless. They're feeling stuck in some area of their life that they cannot pass through, that they cannot achieve. And that's because they forget how strong they are. They forget how strong they are in other left areas that can, they can also model to the area that they think they don't have any powers in. So, you know, after a few sessions, normally I work with people like six session series and normally it's enough. Normally it's enough. Sometimes we add another six, but normally six sessions are enough. And they are, you know, from coming to me feeling devastated, hopeless, helpless, in whatever life area that is, after six months there, I'm free of that. Um, I had a client who suffered from migraines and she was very disappointed from her teenager boy. And she said, I went to all the doctors, nothing has helped me. And you know what? We worked on her self-confidence. We worked on her self-confidence and she started focusing on herself and what she likes to do. And she started opening, um, a cooking initiative and that filled her up with joy because she invited people over to her home that was prior to COVID days, but they would run like she, she was like a chef, but having everyone cook a new meal and then sit down and eat that meal. And the funny thing is, I mean, it's not funny, but the result was that she didn't suffer from migraines anymore, that her teenage boy was just a marvelous <laughs> boy. Everything, you know, got better because we worked on her self-confidence and you know, for me at the end to see the results that my clients are free of their problems or free of the 
the things that haunt them at night is really um, fulfilling for me. It's really satisfying to see that I could help. I could be of help. You know, I got gifts uh, either because I invested in studying and learning and being compassionate and wanting to help and coming up, you know, reaching out and, and then seeing that, yeah, I made a change. I helped someone. Yes. And he says, you ladies rock and you as well. Yay. Thank you for listening in. <laughs> Thank you, Angie. So that what fills me, fills me up, knowing that I could lend a hand and I could help someone. Um, you know, there is a saying saying, um, helping one person in the world is, is as if you help the, the whole world. And for that person, that's the whole world to them. And then it affects, you know, it cascades, it cascades to their immediate environment. It cascades to their community, it cascades to the world. So, you know, you never know where a small change that you could, you know, help, it has a lot of, you know, the ripple effect eventually. So it's it's my way to, to bring more hope to the world, I think. Amen. Now, Michelle, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Wow, that's a big one. That's a big one. It's a big question. I think that would be to not compare yourself to others. Um, focus on yourself in that finding your gifts, finding your uniqueness, uh, finding your passions. Because I find out that, you know, whenever you do something with passion, you don't feel like you work, right? You just you just do whatever you love. I remember when my first um, I, my parents told me it was kind of obvious um, that, you know, they had three girls that each one of us will, you know, have a B.A. degree, will study something. And for me, it was clear that I will study actually English at university, study linguistics at the time, because from the age of 13, I had an experience in a summer camp and I fell in love with the language. And it was clear to me that this is this was my passion, English. So I, I just remind you that, you know, I lived in Israel and that my native language is Hebrew. But I would start opening my my ears to TV shows, to music. Um, I wouldn't read much, by the way, at the time. But every time I had an opportunity to speak to an English native speaker, I would. So, um, so to me, it was obvious that I'll just go study it. I was looking forward to it. And so I had my BA in linguistics with honors and it was easy and fun. But then I said, okay, so what am I going to do with an, a, a BA in linguistics? And in Israel, many people just study to, um, they get us a, a teaching certificate and they start teaching English in high schools. But I didn't want to be an English teacher. Um, and funny enough, I went to an interview in a high tech company, which I didn't think I have anything to do with high tech at the time, because I'm not a programmer and not anything like that. But I worked there as an, as an office administrator when I was a student. And they told me, when you finish your, when you graduate, come back and we'll see what we can offer you. And I'm, I was doubtful. I said, what, what can, what can I suggest? What can I offer to a high tech company? But I was, I was, um, I was ignorant at the time. And sometimes ignorance is, is bliss. I was 23 years old. I came to the um, to the manager of the company and I said, well, I graduated a BA degree with honors. What can you offer me? 
And, and I mean, nowadays I wouldn't do that, but I was, you know, young and no dice in mind. Laundry, <laughs> like Les Brown says, right? <laughs> and he's and he said, well, well, uh, you can help our executive team now and happier into the role. And he said, well, how about you help the marketing? manager and I was a marketing coordinator as my first job and then it evaluated to being a mark an industry analyst relations manager a competitive intelligence manager a marketing communications manager the thing is how did I get to high tech in the first place it was because of my passion to English because I I use my English I wrote the flyers and FAQs the frequently asked questions and the marketing collateral and and talking and going and representing the the, the company abroad, I was just doing my passion to English. That's how I find myself in the high tech industry. And I enjoyed what I do, you know, as long as it helps me. Uh, so sometimes you find your passion, you know, follow your passion. Life will take you sometimes to things that you didn't, you couldn't anticipate or you couldn't plan. But if you do, if you are engaged with something you're passionate about, um, it will come. And when I quit high tech, um, I said to myself, okay, so what am I good at? I said, I, I, I like to, to study and I'm, and I like to engage with relationship with people. And that's how I find myself to be a life coach, <laughs> interacting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And here I am in the States using my English. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's all, you know, if you do connecting the dots of where you are right now and how it started and what led to one thing to another eventually i think if you follow your passion you know only good will come out of it eventually amen very powerful michelle thank you so much for being a guest on the walk with me podcast i appreciate you now where can the audience find you so if you go to www.mydesiredoutcome.com you can find my um my website you can book me for lectures about self-healing about getting goals um you can read things in my blog uh and you can uh book 20 minutes uh a conversation with me a discovery call with me to see if there's any fit and i can be of help to you i love it ladies and gentlemen make sure to check out michelle at mydesiredoutcome.com and michelle thank you again you have a blessed day thank you Gigi, for having me here you're welcome